Well, good morning. The train lights are bright this morning. I can already tell, and I'm not even looking up. So, everybody having a good week? Mm. All right. So, a couple people are having a good week. I'm sorry. I hope the week gets better for the rest of you. But, um, so, I want to put two scenarios in your mind. All right, the first one. Have you ever been on a road trip where you've just seen absolute great leadership? All right, this can be like a road trip from here to Concord. This could be a road trip from here to Florida, California. Or it could just be a trip hiking in the woods, right? So, like, think about this leader that led you. Did they have all the attributes they needed? Did they have everything planned out? Did they seek wisdom and advice from other people to help them realize, hey, we might need to stop at this place, or hey, we need to keep driving through this neighborhood so we don't get stuck. We need to make sure we have gas before this point because this is the last gas station for so many miles. Like, has anybody ever had those type of leaders? All right, so I see one person, two people. Just a couple across the room that have had those type of leaders. Well, all right, so now I want you to think about the opposite of that. Um, Have you ever had an experience where the leader did not have the attributes they needed? They were like, look, we know where we're going. All right, hold on. Wives, do not slap your husbands because I understand that may happen. But, like, it's like, oh, I know where I'm going. It's just a three-hour drive to the beach, and you end up 45 minutes at the wrong beach south of it. So, um, yeah, like there's, there's different types of leadership. In fact, for me, I've experienced one. Um, I was camping with my grandmother in uh, Mar Mountain. Like everybody knows Mar Mountain and pretty much knows how to get anywhere in Mar Mountain. But uh, at the time, I was roughly eight or nine years old, I, I believe. And my cousin, who was also camping with my grandmother, was maybe 13. And so, like... We're hanging out. We're decided, hey, we want to go hike some trails. And he, uh, he's like, Adam, come with me. Let's go. And I'm like, sweet, yeah, let's go in the woods and play some. And uh, it was really fun. But then about three hours later, we're like, dude, where are we? We had found a horse trail and uh, just decided to follow the path. Well, we eventually end up on a road somewhere near the Cron House, and we keep walking and uh we we get found. My grandmother had uh, purposely went to everybody, found all the rangers, got a hold of them, said these two kids are lost. It was terrible because when we got back, my grandmother informed me, we have called your parents. And there was a long, long part of consequences that we're not going to go into. But I want I wanted to... Th- like, I tell you that story so that you think about, like, my cousin, right? Now, I'm, I'm not big on bashing on people, but this kid was 13 years old, and I had the stupidity to follow him into these woods that neither one of us knew where we were going, right? And so we understand that there can be leaders who do not have all the attributes that we should have, but what about these attributes that we should have because of God, our leader, giving them to us? How are they leading us? And so today we're in Luke 14, verses 1 through 14. If you, don't, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. If you've got your phone, flip there, you know, whatever. But we are going to look at this scripture, and we're really going to focus on 
this one attribute that I see that we've been given by God. And we're going to see how he shares with us um, what this attribute does. You see, we're in this Lost and Found series, and you're either in one of two places. You're either lost or you're found. And I'm speaking about that in a spiritual sense of either you've been lost, you don't know God, you don't have a relationship, or you've been found where he's given you a way to relationship through Jesus Christ. But the found part doesn't mean you're made complete. The found part means you're you're in transition. You're, you're daily dying to your old self, the lost self, and you're growing ever so closely to the way that God points us to live in this book. So let's dive on in, and we're going to look at Luke 14, verses 1 through 6. And it says this. One Sabbath, when he went to dine, that's Jesus, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. Like, y'all ever go eat and it's just really awkward because they're staring at you? Like, hold on for a second. Can you please start eating your food so I can eat mine without feeling like a goldfish where everybody's watching me through the glass? Like, it's just terrible. No, all right, so Jesus is being watched super bad. And it says, Behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. All right, that, that's what it says in my version. In other versions, it says abnormal swelling of the body. Like, that's just that would just be terrible. And so... In verse 3 it says, And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on, the, on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And then verse 6 it says, And they could not reply to these things. Right? So this morning we've we've heard many different testimonies about how we should stand up and live our lives and how each one of us needs healing. Right? Whether it's the lost person that needs to be found by Christ, or whether it's the person that's dealing with abuse, or whether it's the person that can't just get rid of their pride to come down and worship and just give God their all. We all are in a need of healing. But what I want to point out to you today is that Jesus shows us that humility leads to healing, right? So humility is this attribute that God's given us because he's put us in a place where we can't be anything but humble if we're his children, right? So verses 1 through 6 this, the, these leaders, the Pharisees, they're trying to capture Jesus in a trap. They're trying to say, look, Jesus, here's a man. What you going to do with him? And it's the Sabbath. Like, if you heal him, you're, you're disobeying the Sabbath. But what happened was they tried to put in place the man-made rules, the man-made laws that they had put on the Sabbath, and they tried to place them on the one who created the Sabbath, right? So check this out. Mark 2, verse 27 through 28. You don't have to flip there. I think it's on the screen. But it says, And he said to them, Jesus speaking, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man 
is Lord even of the Sabbath. Like, so I want you to understand, just so you can get what Jesus is pointing out here in his healing, he didn't disobey the Sabbath, but he said that he said that the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made for a day of rest so that we could honor God, but not man for the Sabbath. Man was not created to take pride in what he could uphold, the man-made laws of the Sabbath, right? So even the Son of Man is Lord of even the Sabbath. So Christ is saying, look, while you try to impart your man-made rules, your man-made traditions on me, I'm going to tell you that that's not how I'm called to live because I am the Lord of the Sabbath. But he said it in such a way that it was, it was humility that, that made the difference because he, he didn't even really have much to do with the guy who had dropsy, right? The verse said that he took him, he healed him, and he let him go. First off, that, that points out to the fact that the Pharisees and the lawyers were holding him there. Like, they put him before them, and they did nothing. Why? Because of their pride. Because their pride said, look, I've got some standard to uphold. I've got to uphold this tradition of being a good leader. I've got to uphold these man-made laws. And so my pride says that on the Sabbath day, I can look right at you while you're sitting right where we're near, near where we're having a feast, and I can do nothing for you. But humility leads to healing. Because Jesus said, look, I don't care what happens. Like, I don't care what, you, what your man-made laws say about the Sabbath. I'm going to heal this man. You know why? Because humility sees no wrong time to serve. Like, let me repeat that so you get that in your head. Humility sees no wrong time to serve. Pride says, I've got too much going on. Pride says, I've been working on the house. I've got to mow the yard. I've got to help my uh, mother, my brother, my sister, you know, whatever, do this. I can't take on another thing to help you. I can't take on one more bit of five minutes to help you. And that five minutes may make a difference for their eternity. Like, so this has nothing to do with my notes, but I feel like I'm supposed to share it. I sat there and watched a man serve yesterday. Serve his family from 9.30 in the morning till 4.30 in the afternoon. And then get a call from another family member, one who is not lost, one that this man wants to see get saved. And he said, yeah, I'll be there to help you. Why? He had plenty of other things to do. But the humility that he has because of what God's done for him says, I want to see people get healed. That humility led him to, to go to where this place was and to do what seemed to be a simple task but took much longer than it should have because God wants to use us in these moments. There's no wrong time to serve. And so I begin to think about, well, God, how does humility lead to healing practically, God. Like, I don't want to just give a message that informs the people here today. God, how does it lead to he healing? And Jesus said, look in my word. And so Philippians 2, 1 through 8, right? 
It says this, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and, have, and being found in the human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. All right, so verse 1 through 4 points to the mind that we should have. Humility leads to healing because we don't see others as just a number or a person walking down the street. We see them as a soul that has an eternity left, and we've got to see them healed. We see the lost walking down the street cussing and fussing, and we don't get aggravated because we hear cussing and fussing. It's like Pastor Paul said, we point them to Jesus and say, this is where your healing comes from. And then we see verse 5 through 8. Jesus just lays it out there himself and says, let me set the example. Let me set the tone for you. He, he leaves heaven. He comes down. He walks across the earth as a man, but does not see equality with God a thing to be grasped. He doesn't hold on to the fact that he's put in a position of God and so he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, the human, being like in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself. Not only did he humble himself just to leave heaven and come to earth, he didn't just humble himself in his life. He humbled himself in his death, right? Humility leads to healing when we, when we are willing to give it all, when we see no wrong time to serve. Like you think about the, the, the ladies from our church that went to India. They went knowing that they're sharing a gospel that could endanger their lives. But they understand that their life is worthless without Christ. And they're going to a country that needs healing, both physically and spiritually. And so they took it, not pridefully saying, God, look what I've done. Or church, look where I'm going. But they said... No, God, you're too great to contain in our church, so let me go share it with the world. And so we see that humility leads to healing when we allow the Spirit of God to move us to serve the lost. And so then we, we jump down into Luke 14. I've got to hurry up. Verse 7 through 11, right? And it says, now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. 
Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Like, so we see humility, humility leading to healing, but in that passage we see that humility leads to honor, right? So Jesus first notices where everybody sits because, like, they walk in, they sit down, and everybody's like, oh, let me get up to here. He, he noticed that the people were taking pride in their position. We do the exact same thing. I do the exact same thing, right? So let me tell you some really wise words that I heard from a man in a green shirt sitting on the front row. When, uh, when I was allowed to work with the youth here, he told me, uh, he told me this phrase, don't take pride in the word staff. And so I thought about it for a couple days because it was interesting, like, I went to school to be on staff at a church. Why would I not take pride in that? But what, what we talked about a couple days later was the fact that I can't take pride in my position. Because when we take pride in our position, we begin to see people in the wrong place. Like, have you ever noticed that even college students at a community college walk around and... They say, hey, how are you, to your professor? But the custodian who's walking by carrying out their trash, they have nothing to say to them. They have no idea what their name is in most cases. Like, pride leads to a fall, but humility leads to honor. And it was really interesting to me that humility leads to honor not only in our lives, but in the lives of everyone right so let me get you let me let me share with this share this with you i'm sorry the love of christ should humble us right i don't know if anybody else in this room's been humbled by god but god humbles me often because i struggle with pride at times but god said look you should be humbled for the simple fact of 1 corinthians 6:20 and it says this, For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. You were bought with a price? Not only did God see you as valuable, but he gave his only son that you could have a relationship with him so that you could walk with him, so that you could share the glory of what he's done in your life, so you could, so you could share your story. You see, Humility leads to honor in our lives because we have been bought. We have been paid for. Now, like in the Christian realm, we look at that and say, ah, I've been paid for. I don't have to worry about my sins. That's wrong. Right? No, we've been bought with a price so that we can glorify God, so that we can bring honor to him. And how do we bring honor to him? We humbly walk with him. And we, we put forth the example that he set for us, right? So this isn't normally like always an example verse, but let me share these two verses with you. John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever, oh, sorry, 
whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Like everybody knows that verse. It's the verse that's saying God valued our life enough that he paid for it with his son. But how many know verse 17? Because it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, humility honors us to be adopted into the family of Christ. Jesus saw fit that he humble himself he gave himself, walked on this earth, died an, like an incredibly painful death so that we could be honored to be called children of God. Right? That is the one position that we should take pride in because it humbles us across the board. Because as a, as a child of God, we see that who we were is not good enough for who we need to be for who God's called us to be. And you see, it's, it's incredible how humility just works in our lives and can change us because it's, it leads us to healing, not just with God and ourselves, but also between men. Like, have you ever tried to fix an argument with pride? Paul, you're wrong. I've got the right answer. What's his response? Adam, you're wrong. I've got the right answer. No. <laughs> you're supposed to go with it. No, but, um, but then, have you ever tried to honor someone else with your pride? Like, I am such a good person. I read my Bible seven times a week. It's one a day. I pray before every meal, when I wake up, and when I go to bed. I'm such a good person. Now, now that I've said all that, let me introduce you to Paul. Would you like to follow that up? <laughs> you know, like, it's really hard to honor someone when you're so full of yourself. When you think of yourself, you can't think of anything else. You're, you're stuck in that one spot. And, you know, we're going to look in verse 12 through 14. And this is, we're getting close, but uh, this is important. So humility leads to healing. Humility leads to honor. And the last point that we're going to look at is humility leads to hope. All right? So Luke 14, verses 12 through 14 says... He said also to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or, your, or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So Jesus went from talking to the people in their place that chose their position and their pride to talking to the chief of these men and said, you shouldn't be inviting these people. If, if you really want to be an expert at my law, 
then you should be living in a way that provides hope for others, right? So he says, don't invite your rich friends. Don't invite your neighbors, your relatives, because they're going to repay you. They have the money to, right? So that's like saying, Adam, don't invite Paul out to eat because he'll pay you back at another time. But at the same time, he said, don't invite them. Invite the people, the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Why? Do you know what those people have in common? They're in trouble. They're in need. They all have a need. The poor, they need more wealth. The crippled, they need to be healed. The lame, they need to be healed. The blind, they need to be healed. But where's their hope? Right? Like a poor person works and works and works and says, all I can do is make so much money. The, the crippled person says, I can try as hard as I can, but I still can't get my legs to work. The blind says, I can, I can move any part of my body, but how can I get my eyes to see? And the lame says, I can think and I can talk, but how do I get my body to work? It doesn't happen. Where's my hope? Their hope, in most cases, is found in what they can do, right? But these people can do nothing. So Christ said, let your humility, like he was pointing out to this guy, let the humility lead you to hope for others, right? So he wanted this guy to be put in a position, the chief priest, the lawyers. He wanted this guy to say, look, I'm not afraid of who I'm being seen with. I need to throw away my pride of being with the people who have been given blessed blessings and stuff. And let, let me help those who have been hurt, who are unable. And so this whole Lost and Found series, right? We've been talking about how the lost get found and different sorts. But one thing's kind of stumbled me or made me stumble. Where's each and every one of our hope? Right? Like, we, we all want to stand up with pride and say, my hope is in Christ. But when we walk out these doors over here, it's like the things that we just laid down here up front, we walk by and just scoop them up and say, all right, I'm taking them with me till next week. Because... For some weird reason, we think that those six days of the week, we can carry those issues. But let me point this out to you. As the church, we should recognize that we have no hope apart from Christ. You know, we, you would think that out of anyone in the world, we should be the most helpful. Why? Because we recognize what it means to be lost. Like, have you ever noticed that the people that had the had very little when they were younger, like my I have so many family members that encompass this, but one that comes to mind is my dad's mom. She was one of seventeen children, 
She told stories about how she would lay in the bed and could look through the cracks in the floor and see the snow on the ground. They would get up in the morning, shake the snow off the blanket. Poor. But you want to know what happened? My grandmother served the Lord, is serving the Lord. And it is incredible to see her say, I've got bills due, but in hopes that my son comes to know the Lord, here's $400. Here's this money. Here's that. Here's my time. Here's my focus. Because I know what it's like to be lost, and I know what it's like to be found. Because if we focus on our position of being lost, we'll never get found. But what happens is when God comes into our lives and speaks to our soul, we are humbled because we stand before the God who created everything. We are humbled because this God said, I don't just want to see you. I want to heal you. We don't just stand there and be like, man, I'm healed No, we go to honor God. We live lives so that we are humble, so that he can exalt us, to put us in a position to lead other people to be honored by God so that they can be called children of God. And then we see that humility leads us to hope. We have hope for ourselves. You see, John 17, verse 3, like this doesn't seem like, I mean, it is a verse of hope, but it may not exactly seem like it. So check this out, and it says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Like, you want a definition of what eternal life looks like? It's knowing God, the Father who sent Jesus, and knowing Jesus Christ. What better hope is there than knowing the God that created every person in this room, created everything outside of here, and everything in here, like, there is no greater hope than putting that in the, in the hands of Christ. So what are we doing with it? You see, this, this leads me to think about the big idea. And that is, the lost get found when humility leads to service. Now that sounds awfully like, awfully like a statement that depends on us, but it's not. You see... The lost get found only by one person, and that's Jesus Christ. But when he allows us to be a tool, when he allows us to be something he uses to lead others, he allows us to reach out to a lost and dying world and say, you can be found because I once was lost, but now I'm found. I'm alive in this hope. And so... I begin to think about, like, how am I supposed to serve? How am I supposed to serve a lost world? And I'm supposed to serve a lost world just like we do here. You know, we want to see healing. What do we do? We ask people to raise their hands, to say, hey, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. But that's not where it stops. We say, all right, now we're going to take that before God because he's the only one who can heal, right? So how do we honor others? We allow them opportunities to share. You know, this is one of the greatest honors I have is to be able to stand in front of you guys and share a message that God's given me. And Pastor Paul has honored me because he's allowed me to do this. But how how are we honoring a lost world? We're humbly serving. You know, 
There was a lot more people in here this morning before intermission. But that's because there's a lot of people just down the street here a few blocks that said, I understand that I need to put myself in a position to be seen by people that need food. And we want to be seen with them. We want to honor them. We want to share with them a meal that they may not have if we're not there serving. And so it leads them, it leads us to serve, and then it leads us to share hope. It leads us to hope because we have hope of eternal life, life spent knowing God the Father and knowing Jesus Christ. That, that whole hope that we have there should lead us, to, lead us to carry on to the rest of the world and say, look, I don't want to point out your sins because they're wrong. They are, right? I'm not taking that away. But I want to point out your sins because I know each and every one of you are struggling like I have. And I want to see God provide the hope for you that he's given me. Like, Jesus, the, the men that he came out and pointed out to the harshest was the men who said they were experts in his law. But those who humbly walked with him while he had to correct them, which he does us, he allowed them to see the hope that's coming from him. And so I want to leave you with this, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50 through 58. This is important, so I'm going to give you a minute to get there. So as a body of Christ that wants to share the love of Christ, that wants to walk with humility that leads us to service, let's read this verse. It says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the, Im the mortal puts on the immortal immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written: Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, like so we read all that so that we can know why we're about to do this, the rest of this. My beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord... Your labor is not in vain. You see, to a lost world, humility seems like something that is vain. It seems like a weakness. But to us, to a body of believers that see how Christ has moved and how he has worked, we see humility as an attribute that leads us to serving this lost world. So be steadfast, immovable, serving the Lord, because it is not in vain. 
All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for just an opportunity to share your message, your hope, and your love. God, to share how you, you sent your son to humbly come and die on the cross for us, that we may have a relationship with you. But God, we want to walk with humility as we go serve this world. We want to walk in a way that allows us to not hold pride in our heart, but to hold pride in who you are. So God, my prayer for each and every person today is that we go out and serve you humbly. That we show the world your love humbly, God. That we see people come to healing. We see people that are honored and that we see people that have newfound hope. Not because of what we've done, but because you decided to use us and we humbly were able to accept that call. So God, just let us walk faithfully, steadfast with you and help us to love you in this way. It's in your precious holy name we pray. Amen.